life, and politics with Republican leanings. Welcome to Famila and Friends, the show that mutes the sound bites and noise pollution to bring you the discussions and informative interviews you want to hear. Hosted by nurse, published biochemical researcher, and former congressional candidate, Famila Ramos. Famila and her team of friends tell it like it is, and no topic is off the table. Get ready to cut through the clutter. Now here's your host of Famila and Friends, Famila Ramos, on The Answer San Diego. Good evening and welcome to the Family and Friends show. I'm Family Ramos coming to you from sunny San Diego with my very cool, very hip friends, Kalina and Serena. Before we start, I want to begin by thanking our sponsors, Top Dog Limo Buses and our good friend, Alex Agamiroff. Yes, thank yes. you guys. Thank, thank you guys. So ladies, go ahead and introduce yourselves. Hi guys, Kalina O'Connor here. Hello guys, it's Serena, your favorite hype beast. <laughs> And also in the studio with us today, making sure we don't sound like dumb communists. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. We could never. No, you're not. <laughs> I mean, I hope you're not. Is our one and only hottie toddy producer, Todd. Yes. Hot toddy beast. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Isn't it crazy how time flies? This is our 20th show, Kalina. That's insane and amazing. We started during Corona season and here we are. Still in Corona season, guys. I know. 2020 has been such a dud year. I'm ready to kiss it goodbye. So ready. Go by, Go away. It's been chaotic, <laughs> disrupting, and just plain sad. Like, not just for us adults, but our kids. Our kids are suffering. And don't forget about the lies and disrespect from the liberal agenda. Okay, that's disgusting. It's disgusting that so many people disrespect this country and what it stands for. President Trump has done so much for the American people, but these liberals want to trash this country because they hate him. You know, it's easy for these lemmings to drink from the commie Kool-Aid <laughs> when you have actors, athletes, and influencers pretending to be politicians. And when you have politicians and elites putting ideas of, you know, oppression, inequality, and perversion into everyone's mind. I'm, I'm surprised we're not, you know, we are where we are today. If we can turn back time. If, if we, we could find the way, way <laughs> we destroy the China virus before it escapes. <laughs> I'm so sorry, guys. You're welcome, everyone. You're welcome. You're welcome. That was amazing. I just love how you guys give yourselves props. I mean, somebody has to. Right? But anyways, off topic. I still can't get over the censorship. What happened? Oh, lamestream media. <laughs> The Campbell Neurosciences Division of TSOI issued a press release on a patent that we filed together with Dr. Amit Patel. This was a thousand claim patent on schizophrenia and suicide prevention using immunotherapy and stem cells. Using the immune system to alter people's brains. Mm -hmm. Think of it as um, uh, stem cells as ketamine on overdrive, except without the side effects. You know, they block the excessive inflammation caused by depression. You know, during this time, the brain can be rewired without the use of drugs that cause all those mental side effects. And the press release company refused to include Famla's name because they said she was political. I'm not. Yeah. And then there was another lame journal that rejected a paper she worked on for the same reason. Political. Wow, you're toxic. <laughs> it's those commies. Commies. But, but don't you already have seven peer-reviewed papers and like two book chapters? Why wasn't it political? Um, I guess that was before I got into politics. <laughs> but, but the thing is, I don't integrate science with political science. And get this, get this, the journal that rejected the paper um, belonged to my best friend, Bill Gates. Mm. <laughs> no, the journal made it political. Come on. Um, I, I didn't even know my name was in red underlined. It's sad to see how active the liberal forces are. They're going after everyone who supports Donald Trump. You know, it's called desperate trying to block me and other Republicans from getting the coverage we deserve. Mm -hmm. That's so pathetic. It's not even funny. <laughs> you know, I'm choosing to take the high road. Lame. Rem yeah, right? Remember when Scalia died and the liberals celebrated? Then when Ginsburg died, Republicans mourned. That's night and day. And it's crazy. Dems were cursing her for not retiring under Obama. I know. Poor Justice Ginsburg from her very own. Yeah. But anyway, I want to talk about America. Contrary to what the commies believe, America's great. Yes, and why, it why, it's, why it's different from other countries. Because the pursuit of happiness is guaranteed. The core difference is that America invents. It comes, with more, it comes up with more useful ideas and brings these ideas to life compared to all the other countries in the world combined. Exactly. Like the patent we have on identifying suicide markers where we have a thousand claims. Right. Well, Kalina, I didn't tell you this, but I had a meeting with someone and briefly, without too much detail, mentioned our work in suicide. And? Well, my friend ba Denny basically said that everyone is working on suicide and what we had wasn't unique. Wow, he sounds like a tool. <laughs> and a fool. And wait, isn't that the same thing? <laughs> I think so, I think so. <laughs> We're addressing the biological basis of suicide. We're doing something exciting and brand new and different. 
And it was unique enough to be patented by the U.S. Patent Office. <laughs> I hate to break it to you, Rodas, but haters are going <laughs> to hate. But I'm confused. Is it true that the patent represents intellectual property? What does that even mean? Owning ideas sounds like mind control. You know, it's a long story that started with food in Greece. Yes. Okay, interesting. <laughs> Here we go. 500 BC, the ruler established a law that chefs who made great food were entitled to a one-year monopoly on the food they invented. So no one could steal their recipes. And copy their products. They were only allowed to buy the rights to sell the food. Isn't that licensing? Mm-hmm. If you make something that is really revolutionary, the state will reward you with a limited monopoly. Why would the state grant people a limited monopoly? It's a deal. The deal is between the inventor and the state or the government. This is how technology advances. I mean, put it this way. If ideas were protected, more inventors, were, they'd be eager to share. Mm-hmm. And to get a patent issue, the government must be convinced that the invention is not lame. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that, that it's A, and U, B, useful, and C, a non-obvious improvement over existing technologies. So Denny obviously doesn't understand what a patent is. Because nope. our patent covers A, B, and C, making it very unique. Yes. I don't like Danny. <laughs> uh, what? Wait, what's the difference between new and non-obvious? Well, if an invention is new or novel, it can't be obvious or it would already exist and be patented. However, it can be both novel and obvious, making it ineligible for patenting. And patents have to belong to patentable subjects. Like you can't patent a math equation. But you can patent a computer program as long as the program has a useful role like Match.com. Match.com has patents on their computer programs on the way in which the computer programs match up people. So how long are patents valid for? In the U.S., 20 years from the date of filing, but it can take uh, one to two years before it's granted. And, and there's a back and forth process until negotiation is, is reached, you know, the typical red tape. Yeah. <laughs> the government wants to give as little patent rights as possible. And obviously, the inventor wants to gain as many patent rights. So how is a patent like property? It can be licensed or sold. To license means that you're letting someone use the patent, but they don't own it. Some people sell, and once you sell your patent, it's gone forever, and you can't capitalize on its fruits. Remember the guy that patented the coffee sleeve? He makes about 8 to $10 million a year. On a dang sleeve? <laughs> right? <laughs> now, now that's my kind of mathematics. Wait, didn't Starbucks try stealing his idea? Yeah, they strung him along and tried stealing his idea, but he still came out on top. You know, think about it. Despite some issues, the patent system is the lifeblood of innovation, especially in biotech, where it takes years, if not decades, of investments before revenue is seen. Oh, why does it take so long? It's not your kind of mathematics. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> in biotech, an idea has to go through testing in animals and safety testing in humans called phase one, efficacy testing in humans called phase two, and confirmation of efficacy in humans called phase three. And it takes forever. But, you know, if, if there wasn't a guarantee on the exclusive position in the market, people wouldn't invent new drugs. They would just steal formulas and start <laughs> generic drug distri distribution. Well, why are patents important to companies? Why don't you ask Denny? <laughs> well, patents provide increased overall corporate value. Corporate valuation relies greatly on companies' intellectual assets, such as patents. Today, the capital assets of Fortune 500 companies account for only 15% of the company's value, whereas intellectual assets account for 85% of the company's value. Having a patent issued or filed shows that you're the first to have the idea. This stops others from filing a patent on what you're working on. The exciting thing about the patent concept is that you don't need to make and sell the invention yourself. If you have an idea, it's easy to register it. Once that happens, you're free to sell it. So you could sell it like you sell a house. So do they have patent brokers like they have real estate brokers? Mm -hmm. if, you do, if you're dealing with companies like Qualcomm, which have tens of thousands of patents, you need patent brokers to keep track of who owns what. Because in certain situations, an inventor will come up with something that Qualcomm may have missed. In this situation, the broker will find the specific patent that Qualcomm needs to buy and will arrange for its sale to minimize competition. Well, hold on. What happens when you have companies with overlapping patents? Well, I guess there's a cockfight. <laughs> Sophisticated companies form patent pools that they use to maintain a monopoly to block other new players from entering the field. Well, that sucks for the consumer. Definitely not my kind of mathematics. <laughs> no, it's not. No. Well, with that said, our first guest is Jason Jardine, a partner at Kenobi Martins and one of the best lawyers for biotechnology in the world. Jason's experience spans from a full range of life science disciplines, including biotechnology, pharmaceuticals, nutraceuticals, and medical devices, and also chemistry, clean technology, and hydrogen fuel cells, semiconductors, metalworks, mining, action sports, and fashion. Whoa. You know, I don't know where fashion came from, but I like it. Yes. <laughs> he is also skilled in the area of computer science, um, inventions related to hospital and emergency data management. Okay, he sounds like a renaissance man to me. Right?
you know, he's uh, nominated a top attorney in San Diego County. Jason served as um, the San Diego uh, chapter chair of the Licensing Executive Society and as a mentor for the Center of Entrepreneurial in- Innovation and the Northern Arizona Center for Entrepreneurship and Technology. He's a frequent speaker at the World Life Sciences Conference of the International Bar Associ- Association on IP topics and a sponsor and presenter at the San Diego Fashion Week on branding and IP protection. And, um, and he's um, regularly contributes to the firm's life science and fashion blog. Wow. So who's our next <laughs> guest after that? Our second guest is Jack Bracewell, CEO of Salvio Naturals, an agricultural biotech company which manufactures environmentally friendly pesticides, which he invented. And he's an internationally known inventor. He began in 1977. And um, Tectus Matrix was his first invention for agriculture and currently has many new products in development. As an inventor, he sees beyond the barriers of discipline. More for our guests in a few. So, you guys, what do you think is the best invention ever? Ooh, Botox. (laughs) (laughs) I was just about to say, um, shout out to the spray tan inventor. There we go. And any plastic surgery or hair products, anything that makes me look this good. Okay, you're like like 23. You don't need plastic surgery. You don't need to spray tan, plastic surgery, nothing. What are you talking about? I want the Kylie Jenner treatment. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. no. I want to look like that. No. What do you think, Todd? What's the best invention ever? Hands down, the bacon crisper. Bacon there crisper. you go. There, there we you go. go. You know, I'm going to have to say it's pad thai. Oh. <laughs> Is that oh. patented, Phil? I don't know. Is that well, it's because of those darn commercials, those pad thai yes. commercials that you see on so um, YouTube. Do you yeah. see it? Yes. You know, I yeah. love a good pad thai. Pad, pad thai is every other word. If you can't pad thai, pad thai this, pad thai that. And I'm like, oh, I want some pad thai. Yeah, like, Next, oh, our I phones are going to be saying pad thai. I know. Suri is going to be pad thaiing us just left and right. <laughs> Well, off topic, um, Kalina, I just want to uh, congratulate you on the opening of the Burger Coop. Thank you. Tell oh us about it. Oh my God, it was so good. has Tell nothing us. to do with Pad Thai, but we no. did serve up some yes. vegan burgers, some vegan burgers. Yeah, Burger Coop. Next time, you guys are all welcome. I, I'm, I'm insulted that I wasn't invited. Okay, family, well, we had to perfect it before we invited you. Why? Because look at you. You're a congressional candidate. <laughs> you're this. Former. <laughs> okay. What am I Careful. over here? Just... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Serena, how did you like the burgers? Oh my God. Okay. So their burger, it says second best. Yeah. But world's second best burger. I want to say it was first for me. <laughs> it was that good. And I have never, I'm going to say this, Penny. I have, I mean, Kalina, sorry. Um, I have never. That's her stage name. <laughs> I have never had such good onion rings besides there. No, like literally you, your guys onion rings with the kook sauce was the best I've ever had. Yum, I love onion rings. So there you have it, folks. Burger Kook coming to a city near you. Yes. Oh yeah, coming up next is Jason Jardine. (laughs) There you have it. More of the discussions and informative interviews you want to hear is on the way with Famila and Friends on The Answer San Diego. No topic is off the table, and these intellectuals tell it like it is. It's Famila and Friends on The Answer San Diego. Now here's your host, nurse, published biochemical researcher, and former congressional candidate, Famila Ramos. Welcome back to Famila and Friends, and as promised, joining us tonight to tell us about how he helps inventors get their inventions out is one of the best of the best, Mr. Jason Jardine. Ladies, please welcome Jason to the show. Hello, welcome, hello. Jason. Welcome, Jason. <laughs> Thank you so much. That's kind of you. <laughs> so how, how are you doing, Jason? Well, I'm doing all right. And, and despite the, the, the crazy uh, COVID in the world, we still have a number of people who are inventing things, which is kind of fun. Well, there we go. Awesome. So jumping right into it, Jason, your role as a patent attorney positions you to see inventions across a broad range of disciplines and meet a wide spectrum of inventors. Would you say that there's a certain personality type you consistently see as associated with being an inventor? Like, are they usually PhDs? Do they have a tortured (laughs) genius look? You know, et cetera. Oh, my God. (laughs) Well, you know, no, there's there's no consistency there. There, 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 Many inventors do have PhDs, but many don't. Um, The inventors come in in a wide variety of personalities. 
Um, sometimes I see a difference in inventors who are with uh, larger companies and those that those that are not, maybe those that are garage inventors. So, for example, those that are with larger companies are you know may may be more. Uh, more quiet. Think of scientists or engineers or computer scientists that you know at at a Qualcomm or at an Illumina. You know, a, a quiet brilliance. Okay. Um, but but garage inventors or inventors at smaller companies may be more gregarious. They, um, the inventors are all all of them though. You know, regardless of personality, are very excited about what they've invented. Their their work. It's their baby. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. and I, I, I love feeding off that energy of the inventors. I love, I love seeing what they're working on and hearing about new things. And I mean, can I tell you about one of the companies I'm working on right now? Absolutely, please. So, so one of the companies I work on. So I'm I'm a chemist, and and I end up working with a lot of um, uh, pharmaceutical and biotech companies. And one of them uh, here in San Diego noticed that certain genes. Uh, become downregulated due to age or a particular disease state that they might have, and you know genes code for proteins that make make our bodies function. Mm-hmm. And and so, with a lot of research and study on this, they found that administering a particular compound would upregulate those genes and effectively treat those disease states, and that's enormously cool. And I, I've been working on a, a really fun patent portfolio, you know, for, for that company. And I, um, I, I really enjoy learning about those kinds of things. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what the inventor for the pool noodle was like. The <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. pool noodle. Yeah. For, but. yeah. For every biotech person, there's also, you know, somebody who invented Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> That's so. true. <laughs> Well, Jason, I would love to know, what do you think inspires people to invent? Do you think it's to solve a problem, to make money because their boss tells them to, or all of the above? Oh, oh clearly it's all of the above. But I, I, I mean, most of, uh, of the folks that I work with um, are, are, are trying to solve a problem of some sort. Um, and, and even though most of my work is in the life science space, I do a, a fair number of, of consumer products. Every now and then somebody will come in and say, hey, I have this great idea that, that, it, that started with a problem. You know, I, I, a few years ago, maybe, maybe 10 years ago, there was a fellow by the name of Pat Garahan who, who uh, he would fly on airplanes a lot due, because of his job. And every time he, he, the airplane would take off or land, he'd have to put up the tray table and he'd have no place to put his coffee or his soda. And so he'd put it in his lap or he'd put it on the floor. And eventually, you know, he, he knocked it over two or three times and got so frustrated that he said, well, there's got to be a better way for this. And he invented a little uh, cup holder that would um, collapse. It was a collapsible cup holder that he could hook on the back of the tray table when you put it up on the airplane when you were taking off and landing. And uh, he called it the cup pilot. And, you know, we got him a patent <laughs> on that thing. And he was able to sell those things online. It was a, it was a brilliant move yeah. and, and an absolutely awesome little invention. And there's, there's, there's another one that not too long ago, a, a lady named Ashley Fletcher here in San Diego who, who was having – um, uh, a lot of uh, birds and other other critters that were getting at the fruit in her garden that she was trying to she was trying to grow, and so she came up with a a fruit protector. It's it's basically a, a, a plastic piece that you fit over the fruit that that protects it from bru- um, from from birds and other critters and all, but allows in sunlight. And and she's here in San Diego. She's doing selling those things on on a website called EasyFruitProtector.com, dot com, and and it's a really cool thing. And I love the energy that these people bring mm-hmm. because it's so, they get so excited about it, and they're solving this cool problem. And and at the same time, other people get excited about it and want to buy their products. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I actually know Ashley. Hi, Ashley. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. You know, your expertise covers a, br- a broad range, you know, like biotech, pharmaceutical, nutraceuticals, and other things. And then there's fashion. How did Ooh. fashion get in there? I love fashion, by the way. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, about, 
It's been, I don't know, 10 or 15 years ago, San Diego Fashion Week uh, came to came to me and, uh, and somebody else in, in my uh, firm and said, hey, would, would you be interested in doing a presentation for um, some new designers uh, here in San Diego as part of the San Diego Fashion Week? And I said, sure, that would be fun. And that was really the start of, of um, my interaction with the San Diego Fashion Week and learning a lot about um, how to protect fashion-related designs, not just in terms of garments, but also accessories and, and other, other types of things. Um, many times I use design patents uh, for, for that uh, purpose, but uh, do a presentation for the new designers at San Diego Fashion Week. And, and in fact, um, this last week of, of uh, September is, is often when they have lots of events. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, San Diego Fashion Week is lots of fun. I've been, I've been mm-hmm. doing that now. I for, know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what are the costs of filing patents, and how does one even start the process? Well, um, so, so maybe you, you ought to back up a little bit about what, what patents are, um, because what you're giving, you're, you're making public uh, how to make and use your invention and in exchange, the, the, the government is giving you a limited monopoly. It's the right to exclude others. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there's, there's different kinds of patents. There are, I mentioned design patents, uh, which protect the ornamental features of an object. But there's also utility patents, what the thing is and how it works, and maybe methods of using it. Um, and so... Uh, when, when you're considering what types of, of patent uh, to get, um, the first thing you ought to do is consult with a patent attorney uh, on, on, on how to do that. That's, that's mm-hmm. the first thing you should do in starting the process. And you should also think globally. Um, are, are you, you own, is your potential market only in the United States? Or are you uh, potentially thinking about other markets outside of the United States? What would somebody who is trying to acquire you, what would they want you to do? Um, the costs uh, can be substantial depending upon your, your business, the technology. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the reason why, and, and because it's substantial, you know, what you, what you should probably do is think about getting some investors so that you're not just backing it yourself. Um, and, and you should think about, uh, uh, you know, having a company, you know, forming a company around yourself so that your company could give out shares in exchange for money and, and advice from, from experts in okay. the field. Okay. So um, when does one raise funds from investors? Is it before filing the patent or after? Oh, good one. I, I would, yeah, I would file first. I, I, I'd file your application first before you start disclosing it. Um, to other people. There, there have been many, many times when somebody has a great idea, takes it to their buddy or a friend or a, or a larger company, and the larger company basically says, thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying that they take it, but sometimes that happens. Yes. And, and so you're much better, better off um, uh, you know, filing for your application first. And, and, and it can be relatively easy to, to at least get a provisional application on file uh, that's, that's not very expensive before you go to, to try and, and sell uh, or offer it for sale. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. You know, recently, Kalina and I filed a patent with the company Therapeutic Solutions International, which had over 1,000 claims. What's the world record for a number of claims? <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> well, I... Yeah, I'm not aware of a world record there, but but I hope that you filed it provisionally and you didn't file it as a non-provisional application. And and the reason I say that is because um, non-provisionally you end up paying for every claim over 20, and non-provisionally you can file with or without claims, and you can have as many as you want. Um, now it's not a bad idea to have lots and lots of claims in your provisional application because it directs where it is you want to go. Um, when you uh, and how many inventions might be in your application when it gets examined by an examiner, but but I would recommend when you non-provisionally file um, not to have more than about three independent claims in your uh, in your application. The reason for that is because likely the examiner will look at that first and say you have more than one invention here. 
pick one and and I'm going to cancel the rest. Oh, my, so, my God. So, I guess we're over so, <laughs> Right, right. So you end up you end up paying for excess claims and then just canceling them out of the application and you don't get your money back. I see. So quick question. Patent number 5,713-something-something <laughs> covers a three-leg pantyhose. <laughs> what is the craziest patent you've ever seen? And we only have a couple moments left. I'm sorry. Uh, well... You know, a couple of years ago, I was doing, I was helping out some companies with Cleantech uh, San Diego or a Cleantech um, a competition, and one of the the folks there who was who was competing for um, the monetary prize showed me his patent application, and it was for a nanobot that generated energy, and I was I was flipping through this thing and I said, so so how do you how do you turn it off? <laughs> And he, he he said, no, no, oh, no, you can't. It just generates an, an energy forever. Wow. And and so basically what he told me is that he had invented a perpetual motion machine. Oh. And those are are actually not allowed. <laughs> if, you, if you file one of those at the patent office, they will ask you to prove it. Okay. That's so awesome. Because you, yeah. Mm-hmm. Really quickly, who is more for patents, Republicans or Democrats? <laughs> Ooh, ooh! Most of the inventors who come come to me are are pretty apolitical, but I find that that um, there's a slight majority to to uh, R's over D's in the in the uh, in the Senate. You'll find that patents are not sexy enough to be a political football. <laughs> and but but you know, in the American Invents Act, which is the big patent act that came mm-hmm. out in 2013. It was Senator Leahy, who's a Democrat, who, oh. who put it forward, and, and President Obama, who signed it. Oh, wow. So you, you see it on both sides. You well, know, all I heard was Republicans love to make money. <laughs> Meanwhile, Democrats, like, they love EDD. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Jason. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Jason. Wonderful to talk to you. Thank you much. More of the discussions and informative interviews you want to hear is on the way with Famila and Friends on The Answer San Diego. No topic is off the table, and these intellectuals tell it like it is. It's Famila and Friends on The Answer San Diego. Now here's your host, nurse, published biochemical researcher, and former congressional candidate, Famila Ramos. Welcome back to Famila and Friends, and on the line with us is a man full of many ideas. Please welcome Jack Bracewell to the show. Welcome, welcome. Hello, Jack. Uh, hey y'all! <laughs> I'm from Ecuador. Oh, you're wow. from Ecuador right now. Yeah, my wife is an Ecuadorian attorney, and this is where we did all our original tests. And uh, when they opened the doors after the pandemic, we had been separated for months and months and months. And so I jumped on the first plane when they opened up uh, uh, flights after the. Uh, well, after the sanctions were lifted for, oh, for traveling. Well, that's very right. So, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to meet you all and, <laughs> and, to be, and inviting me to be on your show. Of course. Well, Jack, congratulations on your multiple successes. It seems like you're a serial inventor. What attributes or talents do you believe you have that contributed to your success? Oh, a serial inventor. <laughs> no, not, um, not serial killer. <laughs> Okay. Well, um, I kind of had all of my uh, notes in a row here, and you took them out of perspective, and uh, I'm kind of lost in my own notes. Uh, can you ask me the question again, please? <laughs> what uh, What made you successful as an inventor? Well, persistence. Um, no doubt about it. Uh, uh, passion, the ability to see a big picture is, 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 is a key. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for example, when I invented Tectus Matrix, which, by the way, Tectus is Latin, meaning to protect. Um, Ooh, I like it's, that. it's a natural fungicide. And, and we, I believed all along that it had great potential. But when we discovered at Texas A&M that it could, has the possibility of saving the bananas, that's, that's huge. Um, so, you know, I am a bit of a serial entrepreneur, uh, uh, and an inventor. And, uh, I tell you what, uh, a lot of it has to do the formula is, is your perspective and your philosophy of life. Absolutely. I want to go back to Tetris matrix. You said bananas, bananas have a really thick feel. How does it protect the bananas? Well, the the 
the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations has determined the bananas that we are enjoying usually every day. I have several. Uh, it's called the Cavendish will be wiped out by 2040. So in 20 years, if we don't fix the problem, we will be eating a new banana. Uh-oh. So there's GMO bananas wow. coming out and all sorts of uh, new varieties trying to be developed. But to take you back in history, what happened was uh, 75, 80, even 100 years ago, a new disease came out called Panama Disease Tropical Race 1, and it wiped out the banana that I ate as a child uh, called the Michel Gross. It was called the Big Mike. Wow. And uh, so they had to come up with a new cultivar, and they got it from Lord Cavendish's greenhouse in England, and all the bananas that you eat that are grown in the world for export today are from that one greenhouse. It's a monocrop. So essentially that one clone was cloned all over the world. That's wild. And the same thing is happening today with Panama disease TR4, uh, which is, it's really, everybody is focused on the, the, the pandemic with uh, uh, everybody being sick. Mm-hmm. But in plants, this is, in bananas, this is the, the pandemic for bananas. And we believe we have the solution. And we've been invited all over the world to do tests, uh, some through Dole and Philippines and Colombia, which it just came uh, to last year. And we've been talking to Australia about doing tests down there. So the, the current disease is in 17 countries, Oof. and it's devastating farmers' lives. Because once the soil-borne disease, it's a fungi that gets into the soil, once it's in there, they can't grow bananas again. Ooh, terrible. We're, we pray that when we get in a field trial that we can actually treat the soil so that they can grow bananas again mm-hmm. and not only cure it, but prevent it on the, on the areas that are infected. Oh, that's awesome. Good. Good for you. So please tell us about your invention of the Florida Internet Yellow Pages. That was the first business's Yellow Pages online, right? It was the very first one. I, uh, and and i got to admit that uh, my partner, Willen Kellerman, was the programmer on it and did an excellent job. Uh, I did the idea, and I did the layout and design, the, the user interface. But it was amazing. There's none of Yellow Pages today that is good as what we did back in 19, it was created in 1994 and, and completed in early 95 and launched. We got hit by the media so hard it crashed the server over and over. <laughs> uh, wow. Back then we didn't know about multiple data servers and, 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 and that kind of tech. But uh, I tell you what, you could lo- I could look up this phone number that I'm calling you on right now and find your address through our system. It did reverse phone number lookups, sick code lookups, address lookups, name lookups, but it was only for businesses. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, and I tried to sell it to Bell South and they said, well, Mr. Bracewell, I'm sorry, but this internet is just a fad and we don't, we're not going to be invested in that. <laughs> mm. They just didn't know. Yeah, they're lost. <laughs> So Jeff. well, and and I was young. I mean, I was I was in my twenties, and oh, wow. uh, I didn't I didn't know what I know now. What I would have done is patented it, so nobody else could do the same. Mm-hmm. And I, the truth is, I should have turned around and sold it to Dun and Bradstreet. Mm. Um, but hindsight is definitely twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Uh, but it was exciting. I mean. Uh, we were rebooting the server over and over again to get it back online. And the reporters that got to see it said it was fantastic. And those that didn't, didn't give it a very good report. Um, so it was a, a good invention, but it wasn't really successful because it was too early. Uh, we were in Florida and I should have just taken the idea out to California when, where they were giving away billions of dollars on, on concepts on paper, and we had a working model. Yeah. So. That's great. So, Jack, what yeah. is the most fun part about being an inventor? And if you had to pick one, which invention is your favorite? Yes, which invention? Oh, my favorite one has to be Texas Matrix. Mm. Um, that, that's, that's a very easy question. Uh, <laughs> you know, seeing, you know, 
the the most fun part about being an inventor is actually actually seeing a project that came as an idea morphed into a real product that's good, it's functional, and that part is very satisfying. But with the Tectus Matrix product, uh, I actually, if you look at one of my videos, which they're all private right now, I actually drink it when I'm at the Autopista in Machala, Ecuador, as it's being poured into a fumigation airplane. Fumigation that's that's, airplane. Per, that's pretty non-toxic. Mm-hmm. That sounds pretty cool. So what advice so, would, you, would you give to, um, to others who want to be inventors? First thing, make sure you get a, a great patent attorney. Um, our patent attorneys um, are absolutely the best. They're all chemists and JDs or lawyers. Mm-hmm. And the key is in how the patent's written. And um, because you don't want somebody data mining your patent and, and changing it, a good patent can be written in such a way that it's not, uh, uh, you can't get ripped off. Right. And, and I've, I've recently did some research that uh, an AI program discovered that 30% of, of the patents in the United States are just rewrites of other patents, which is kind of interesting. Okay, so can you tell us a little bit about Salveo Naturals? Well, Salveo Naturals uh, uh, was created in 2016, and the idea was around the product Tectus, is what we called it at the time. And um, so I showed it to a friend, and we did some tests down in a small little town called Arenillas, Ecuador, and worked with an agronomist there on an organic farm, and and he saw it change in the first week, and then over a couple, a couple uh, actually about six weeks, uh, he was just completely blown away. Uh, he was close to a year from retirement, actually, and he couldn't believe how healthy the plants were. And the fact that he saw me drink it right on video, he was going, "Oh my God!" <laughs> You know, and, and uh, I've seen some other organic products and smelled them, and I definitely wouldn't drink their products. <laughs> but being the, being the formulator, I know what's in it, and there's nothing toxic in it. It's not toxic to man, and it's non-toxic to the environment. That's awesome. That's awesome, yeah. yeah. I love that. So what do you see as being barriers to entry in the area of agriculture? Oh, boy, that is really a good question. Um Regulations, okay. too many, mm-hmm. and the regulations are controlled by big business. Mm. Um, the other is, uh, and I can give you an idea, according to one of our consultants, I have a friend that works with uh, Ernst & Young, and he said, Jack, in, in Europe, to go to the process that you're at right now would be $150 million. Whoa. And I can tell you, uh, we've spent less than a million. Wow. Uh, doing the regulations and field trials um, add another 100 to $150 million just to do Europe and the United States. And Europe is twice as much as the United States. Mm-hmm. So um, it's, uh, it's, it's a barrier. You know, most of, the, most of the big players, if they're going to license or purchase your IP, uh, they like to see an agricultural investor before investing in themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, our whole project has been funded by regular people. Ninety percent of them Texans, uh, all of them Christians. Awesome, um, like that. Yeah, and you know the truth is we we identified a few agricultural investors, and we hope to get them on board in the in the near future, because in order to sell the IP to one of the big four, they like to see that another agricultural investor has come in. So there's a, there's a number of challenges, and it's not just for inventor, inventors for agricultural products, mm-hmm. but the uh, regulations are, are, are an issue everywhere. Well, that makes awesome. Sense. Thank, Thank you, you so Jack. much. Thank Jack. you for your work with the bananas. Yes, yes. I really appreciate it. I love that. bananas. Yes, B- we all do. Yeah, we need them. Thank you, Jack. Wow, and thank you very much. You know, I encourage all of your your listeners to understand how important food stability is mm-hmm. and safety. Yes. Um, our soil is the answer combined with, you know, like sustainable farming techniques. Buy organic if you can. 
And I always tell people, listen, if you own a race car, you don't put regular gasoline in it. Mm -hmm. The body is the church. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Jack. Thank you, Jack. More of the discussions and informative interviews you want to hear is on the way with Famila and Friends on The Answer San Diego. No topic is off the table, and these intellectuals tell it like it is. It's Famila and Friends on The Answer San Diego. Now here's your host, nurse, published biochemical researcher, and former congressional candidate, Famila Ramos. Welcome to, to the, the hell, hell that's California. Was a lovely place. Was a lovely place. Till the den's disgrace. Plenty of fools in the hell that's California. Are you that surprised? Are you that surprised? All, All they, they do, do is lie. <laughs> <laughs> Again, another breathtaking performance by us. You're welcome, guys. You are so very welcome. You're very welcome. <laughs> I really don't know what's worse, our singing or you praising us about our singing. Oh, gosh. Personally, I'm absolutely biased. But I thought it was amazing. Thank you, Pamela. As did I. You know, if you're just listening, you're listening to Serena and Kalina arguing. (laughs) You're listening to Family and Friends on The Answer San Diego. And who doesn't love a little Eagles with their iconic song, Hotel California? I do. Mm -hmm. You know, that was one of my dad's favorite songs while we were growing up. He loved the Eagles. And every time I heard it, I thought it was about some creepy hotel in California. Okay, way to be super literal. (laughs) Well, it came out the year I was born. No wonder I've never heard it. Just kidding. Ooh, hold on. In case you've forgotten, Serena... Family and I are both 29. Oh, my God. Eyes on you, Padawan. Eyes on (laughs) you. Anyway, did you know the song is about access in America? In an interview, Don Henley, who was part of the band, said, it's basically a song about the dark underbelly of the American dream and about access in America. I mean, I could totally see those themes now. I'd rather just enjoy the music than analyze it. If I wanted to do that, I'd be taking English rather than mathematics. I'm a numbers gal. <laughs> well, that figures. That's <laughs> a good one. <laughs> so getting back to the topic of the show, ideas, innovation, and patents. It's crazy. Patent law is almost like philosophy. They debate and define innovation based on what they think is genius and predictable. There is a difference between patent law and philosophy. Guess what it is? Uh, that philosophers are broke and patent lawyers are mathemat- mathematically well off. Something you should look into, Serena, since you're all about the numbers. <laughs> you know, you can do a lot with a philosophy degree. Um, you can take it into law. My intern, who was um, when I was running for Congress, was a philosophy major and is studying law at Arizona State, but at home. Oh, Corona. My Corona. Okay, just kidding. I I try to see patent lawyers as the defenders of genius. Without them, innovation would uh, come to a grinding halt, right? Well, there's a dark side to patents. They make medicines expensive. Remember the goofball Martin Shkreli, or whatever his name is, who jacked up the price (laughs) of the anti-malaria drug from $1 a pill to $700 a pill? You know, that wasn't about patents. That was actually in a monopoly that he had. Um, He was an unethical crook. Didn't? Isn't that the guy that ended up in jail? <laughs> he went to jail for something else. But let's get back to the, his price gouging. He was the only manufacturer of the drug, but the drug was off patent. He controlled the raw ingredients of the drug and specifically blocked companies from making a generic. If the patent expired, how could he legally block others from making a generic? Well, when you make a generic drug, you need to show the FDA that your generic dissolves in the blood the same way that the real drug dissolves in the blood. So why didn't other people do that? Because the company specifically would track down um, every single pill that they would sell. If someone took one of the company's pills to test against a generic, the company would sue the person who took the pill, (laughs) right? Essentially, the bad guys use uh, bad lawyers and threaten everyone in the industry making a big fuss. They played a dirty game. You mean they were acting like Democrats? More like communists. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Eventually, another company developed a generic under the definition of innovative and generic, and now the price has fallen from $700 a pill to 20. Why do some drugs cost an obscene amount of money per dose for certain diseases? It doesn't cost that much to produce it. It's called profit, baby. Yeah. <laughs> In part, the cost of a new drug from discovery to FDA clearance is approximately a billion dollars and eight years of time. But you said patents last for 20 years. Which only gives the manufacturer 12 years of sales and profits. That's enough to make a killing, though. You know, patents fuel innovation, which can get expensive and risky. Here's a story. When I was pregnant with my younger two, I was considered a geriatric mother. That's rude. I know it is. <laughs> and needed additional testing. Don't laugh. <laughs> I declined the usual amniocentesis, so my OB recommended I take a test that diagnosed fetal abnormalities from a company called Sequinome. The cost was $11,000 after insurance about 1000 
Oof, ouch. I don't really know how you could be a geriatric, though. You're only 29. <laughs> yeah, she's right. Yeah, and that price is insane. Yeah, so their patent claimed that they can detect baby DNA in the mother's blood. The inventors found a way to amplify the fetal DNA by focusing on the pieces of DNA that only came from the fathers, not the mothers. Why do you want to amplify DNA from the father? To see if there are um, abnormalities in the baby. The baby DNA, although found in the maternal blood, is at low concentrations, too low to measure abnormalities. If certain diseases are diagnosed before birth, they can alter the mother's nutrition or give different meds. Aren't you pro-life? Why would you even pay for a test in the end if you're keeping a baby with abnormalities? I mean, it's better be prepared and know than to not know and be mm-hmm. prepared, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds like a King Stallman commercial. <laughs> <laughs> it's better to know him and not need him than to need him and not know him. Doesn't it? <laughs> right? But going back to Zikuno, the idea they had was genius. They should have gotten a patent. I'm glad they didn't. That test is gnarly expensive. And you should thank your lucky stars, too, that you didn't have to dish out that kind of money. You're right, I am, but I did pay the first time around. Remember, I was a geriatric mom twice. You know, the second time around, the bill never came, so I called the lab, and they said I owed nothing and quickly said thank you. (laughs) But come to find out their patent was invalidated by two other companies that blatantly stole and infringed on their test. You know, two companies were selling uh, the test at $15, whereas they were selling it at $1,000. I don't know about you, but I prefer the $15 test. What happened to the Sequa, whatever, uh, the original invent- inventors? Sequinum sued them, but the, um, the district court ruled the patent invalid as claiming the only viable method of detecting a natural phenomenon. The district court said the claims at issue pose a substantial risk of preempting the natural phenomenon of paternally inherited CFF DNA, which made them patent in- ineligible. They appealed at, um, all the way to the Supreme Court for not. So the cheaters won. Isn't that always the case, right? (laughs) Yes. Anyway, hundreds of millions of dollars went into developing a test that saved countless lives lives of babies. There we go. But all the research was stolen, completely disgusting. But those Einsteins were trying to patent a natural (laughs) phenomena. You can't patent nature. Well, they were patenting the specific tools to detect DNA. The judges didn't understand the patent. As a result, this basically killed investment into diagnostic companies, and stock prices of these companies fell after the Supreme Court denied to hear the case. That sucks. I'm glad we have an airtight patent, family. (laughs) Yes, and with that, we're ready to wind down. So go ahead and grab yourselves a glass of warm milk or a hottie toddy or mix them up both. You know, (laughs) that's gross. Dear Diary (laughs) segment begins now. Dear Diary, we hear a lot about the importance of innovation. And innovation is what drives the economy, yet it seems that people are scared of innovation, like the Luddites at the dawn of the Industrial Revolution who violently destroyed machines in factories so that the machines couldn't replace their jobs. We discussed in a previous show, advancements in technology almost always ends up making life easier for everyone. Take, for example, ATM machines. When these machines started appearing, the fear was that the bank tellers would lose their jobs. Instead, ATMs reduced the cost of running a bank, and as a result, more tellers were hired. Um, it's a known fact that countries with new technologies end up becoming superior to other countries economically, but also socially and possess a higher quality of life. What drives innovation? It's the reward for innovation. The only way to reward innovation is to have something tangibly attached to the innovation, a proof that you own the idea, the same way a deed proves that you own a house or a vehicle. I'm proud to say that I have filed a patent, a very important one, with my colleagues at TUSO, I and Kalina, who is on the show with us. <laughs> This patent covers the use of the body's own immune system in preventing suicide and stopping the terrible mental disease called schizophrenia. As mentioned earlier, it has a thousand claims. A claim is what you as the inventor are seeking protection for from the government. Claims can be thought of as fences around the idea. In the patent we filed, we show that a type of immune system cell called T-regulatory cells can stop changes in the brain chemistry that cause suicide. So one of the claims covers the use of this immune cell in stopping suicide, but other claims include covering compounds that tell the body to produce these Treg cells. We have at least 100 chemicals that produce these Treg cells in the body, so we've covered all these chemicals in the patent. We also covered combinations of cells with existing antipsychotic drugs and combinations with treatments that are already in use. I'm going to stop you right there. Are you giving away our secrets? Nope. The patent is issued, and we will sue. Sorry, Pamela, please continue. (laughs) (laughs) The reason for filing such a broad patent was to protect the company from copycats wanting to steal this idea. But, you know, what I learned is if you don't cover all your bases, someone's going to find a way to sneak around your patent and steal it. Mm -hmm. You know, we covered more than 100 chemicals that are known to induce Treg cells. Treg cells are the cells we found that prevent suicide. Now, what happens if someone finds a new chemical that makes Treg cells and that we didn't cover it? Well, we would have to prove in court that their chemical is making Treg cells cells in, and that is the mechanism by which their drug works. This is why it's essential to cover as much as you can when you file the patent. 
That way, even if the patent office doesn't grant you all the claims that you ask for, you block others from getting the claims, right? Yeah. And this is called putting someone in the public domain. You're on notice. <laughs> <laughs> I am grateful and blessed to be working with a team of researchers and patent writers we have at TSOI and look forward to leveraging this patent to prevent suicide. They triggered and inspired us to seek new ways and innovative ways to treat suicide. Okay, I'm going to be a brat, but if you really wanted to prevent suicide, why not just give the patent to charity? So I hate to break it to you, change only occurs when you have a backing of major pharmaceutical companies, or at least very big investors. Are you saying that if you don't have a patent, no one will take you seriously? You know, that's the reality. I can show you many cases of famous scientists who made incredible discoveries, but these discoveries are not being implemented because there aren't any patents around them. Serious people don't invest. Oh, I think that's wrong. There should be someone who teaches people about the importance of patents. How many universities are throwing away good technology because the professor doesn't know they need to file patents? They have what's called technology transfer departments at universities, but they're not very effective. But the UC system has a good one. Well, innovation comes from God. It does. Let's pray. Yes. Dear God, thank you for giving us inventors, especially gifted individuals who have followed in your footsteps for creating beautiful and useful ideas out of nothingness. God, please bless the inventors and continue inspiring them. Please bless the financiers of the inventors so that they can continue to support future dreams instead of becoming obsessed with the fleeting indulgences of the present. And God, please give wisdom and um, to the judges and courts so they support innovation and take the side of the creators of inventions and not the thieves who steal them. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 <laughs> You're getting really good at these prayers, family. Uh, I like you. it. <laughs> Serena, really quickly, tell us what happened to Supreme in China. Where was it? China or Italy? China. Oh, it was in, it's in China, but um, it's, so what happens is, speaking of patents and yeah. stuff, if, I don't, I don't understand how it works over there in China, but I know that Supreme, like the United States, the original Supreme was mm -hmm. having issues patenting it in China. Mm -hmm. So what happens is all these other companies that are in China, they start making off ripoff brands of Supreme that look exactly like Supreme. Mm -hmm. But it's not it. It's like fake. So it's like the fake Louis Vuitton here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. But um, made in China. <laughs> made, made in China. <laughs> but yeah, um, it's not just Supreme though. Um, a lot of major companies are having issues there, yeah. like Gucci, Louis. I mean, even uh, Kanye West Yeezys, which I'm wearing right now. Yes, mm -hmm. um, they're very cute. Thank you. Like, um, but. They're having issues over there, too, because there, there's so many copies that are exactly the same. And, you know, it's wrong. So I patents know. matter. Patents, patents matter. matter. That about does it for tonight. Remember, no topics off the table. This is Pamela Ramos signing out. Good night and God bless. Good night and God bless. Stick with the soft taco supreme. <laughs> <laughs>